afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, it's hard enough to have one overwhelming emotion take over our thoughts and behaviors, but it's even more difficult for most of us to have two or three very opposite emotions. Our thoughts tell us that we should argue for these positions so that one of the emotions wins. But is that really what is the most effective plan? Is it possible that conflicting emotions can help us to heal, even help us to plan our lives in some way? Well, today we're going to be talking to relationship strategist and emotional fitness coach Jennifer Williams to answer some of these questions. So if you have ever experienced conflicting emotions, and I think if you're a human being, you probably have, this show is for you, so hang in here for it. Let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer Williams. She's a veteran relationship strategist and emotional fitness coach who has two decades of experience working with individuals, couples, families, and organizations. She's the founder of Heart Manatee and Heart Manatee Center in Bozeman, Montana. She's also a director, parent educator, and trainer for the International Network for Children and Families. She authored the course Emotional Fitness for the 21st Century, From Surviving to Thriving. Jennifer also co-authored the parenting course Hacking the Teen Brain to give parents the tools they need to gracefully and effectively navigate the teenage years. Her mission is to empower people with greater awareness, fresh perspectives, and skills to live authentic lives. She utilizes her knowledge of brain science to accelerate positive change both individually and within companies. For more information about her, visit heartmanity.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-M-A-N-I-T-Y.com. So, Jennifer, welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. All right. Well, we're going to jump right in. One of my favorite topics. Oh, yeah? Why is it your favorite? Let's start there. Well, I think when I was young, I was just a big basket full of mixed emotions, and I didn't know what to do with them, and they overwhelmed me and made me ineffectual, and I was hard as a mother with young children and married, and I just, it was just so overwhelming that I got curious about it and said, whoa, this is quite a power that I need to learn to bridle. And uh, so I have studied emotional intelligence for the last couple decades and really learned how important emotions are. Um, They're really our invitation to be true to ourselves, and that's what I discovered, and that's what I teach my clients to do. So conflicted feelings, though they seem to be uh, dragging us one way and then the other, are an opportunity to get to know ourselves. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I I think we have a, a myth that says that we should always be feeling good emotions, right? And so we tend to push down what we would term as negative emotions or more intense emotions like resentment or anger or jealousy. But in actuality, they're all just energy moving through us. Um, They're information, and we're processing our experiences, and those messages are there to tell us what actions to take to always return to our true north. And so when they're conflicting, it's difficult because one can be pulling us one direction, and we can have up to a dozen emotions at one time, um, let alone just a couple. And so the strongest and loudest sometimes wins out, but they're all very important to sort through and to sit with and just to lean into and relax and realize that they're part of our truth. 
and I think they've gotten a bad rap over the years, um, and we need to reacquaint ourselves with their power and the messages that they bring us. Yeah, I agree. So just to be sure everybody's on the same page with us, let's get a working definition of conflicted feelings. When you say the terms, what do you mean? I mean that we're experiencing more than one feeling or emotion, that they're different and sometimes colliding to a place of of actually sending us two or three or four different directions. So, for example, um, one of the examples that you had said that you liked in my blog um, was this couple that I worked with, and this was a pretty good example, is they were um, an older couple, and they were, you know, had been married a long time, but she was getting an award um, at work. It was a very prestigious award, and he was telling her how proud he was of her and how happy he was and how he was looking forward to standing by her side and celebrating. But the night of the award ceremony, he started mumbling and grumbling and saying, I don't want to go to this stupid thing, and, oh, I just can't believe we're going, and why do I have to go? And he was an introvert, and he was having all these emotions crash like the ocean wave on him, and it was really superseding the original joy and celebration of his wife. And his wife got all bent out of shape. Now she started getting upset, and she was very hurt because she understood it to invalidate his original emotion, mm-hmm. which it wasn't invalidating. It was just a new emotion passing through him that a lot of introverts have going into a social situation. And so when they realized that, they were able to connect to each other. But first we have to connect to ourselves and what our inner world is telling us. And so that's the step that a lot of people skip. And so then we disconnect from one another because we're not listening to our own truth. Yes, yes, very well said. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, if you Google conflicted feelings on on uh, on Google, you'll get uh, the first several uh, uh, links that you get are to conflicted feelings about someone. So you like someone, but you're not mm-hmm. sure you really want to date them, or you're not sure you really want to commit to them. You may love them. You're not so sure that you love them, those kinds of things. And I think that's generally mm-hmm. how people think about conflicted feelings, because and uh, so that's the reason I wanted us to be clear that we're we're talking about an internal war between two right. different fields. Absolutely, feels- and it feels like a war sometimes. It feels like a battle because they're pulling us in different directions. And depending right. on our value system and what's really important to us, it can really get us off track sometimes. Right, 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 right. I think another thing that conflicted feelings do is they can keep us stuck just ruminating on the different options over and over again without doing anything. We just sit there. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that some of the emotions that tell us to pause, like fear or uh, hesitation or self-doubt, that we tend to um, get stuck in that and our mind and our self-chatter starts ruminating and that is what causes it's like we get on a hamster wheel and we just go round and round and round. Instead of stepping off and saying, wow, you know, what, what is this uh, emotion trying to tell me that I need? And sometimes it's that we just need to stop and listen to ourselves and sometimes it's that we need to set a boundary for someone. Sometimes it's that we're feeling insecure in a skill that maybe we need to brush up on. And sometimes it's a conflict with someone else that we need to have a conversation with. So it can be a lot of different things. And if we don't listen to them, then we begin to miss out on very valuable input that makes our life happier. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that listening to it, we're going to come back to that several times today, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I want to uh, talk about one more thing. One of the other things I think we can do with conflicted feelings that keeps us stuck is we can do, we can have it in our heads that one of them is right and the other one is wrong, and that we just have to figure out which one is right, which one is wrong, and then we'd know what to do because we we should on ourselves a lot, don't we? We tell we say to ourselves that we. Um. We, we really should have this feeling and we've really got that feeling and so that feeling must be wrong but this feeling must be right and we're trying to and we spin on that for a long time because we're not really sure that feeling's wrong but maybe it is so maybe we should do this other thing and we're not we haven't yet asked ourselves what our truest feelings are our truest authenticity is we just are kind of trying to decide what's wrong and what's right so I guess I want to hear you yeah, speak a I little think, yeah I, I see that a lot I think Oftentimes we try to live in a black and white world of wrong and right and appropriate and inappropriate and bad and good, and we're trying to find the best option rather than embrace that all, that all of it is us, that we are all those things, and not just one thing, but we're feeling a lot of different things. And and like so, for instance, when my youngest son graduated from high school and was going off to college, I was feeling proud of him, and I was feeling excited for the adventure of going off to college, but I was also feeling the grief and the loss of him moving out, right, and losing the opportunity to spend time with him and to parent. So a lot of times it's not so much that any of them are wrong. It's that they all should have voice, and in listening to the voice, then we get to determine what is the highest value for us in that moment, what do we need to do in order to course correct or self-correct, and then we are empowered to take action to create a better experience for ourselves. But when right. we push it aside, or we, like you said, you know, we make something wrong and we should on ourselves. And I actually think shooting on ourselves is one of the primary ways we get stuck because we think we should know how to handle emotions or we should be able to have the answer. Or if we were, you know, had it together, or if we were spiritual, we wouldn't have negative feelings. And so... Right. That judgment that we put on ourselves and the shaming actually paralyzes us in action, which creates that stuck feeling. Yes, and that brings me to that point of negative and positive feelings. I, I, I want to I want to ask you to just kind of talk about that for a minute. What 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 is a negative feeling? What is a positive feeling? Or is there really any such thing as negative and positive? Well, I think we've turned them that way because the negative feelings, as we call them, are bad emotions, like the stronger ones that have the more uncomfortable feelings like anger or um, hurt or something that, sadness, that it's, a, it's actually a slower, stronger, intense emotion, so they're harder to navigate and sometimes harder to listen to, but I, you're absolutely correct in the sense that I don't believe in negative or positive. I believe they're all neutral, that that's just energy passing through us to give us information, and if we treated them as if they were really valuable, we would listen to them without saying they're bad or good or inappropriate or appropriate. But I think in culture and in our society, we've made behavior in some ways the king, so when someone behaves a certain way, it's good or it's bad or it's appropriate or inappropriate. So a lot of times we grow up very mixed up about feelings because we have these strong feelings and sometimes we stumble over ourselves as a child and get into trouble because we say something out loud that doesn't, isn't socially acceptable, right? 
Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we find ourselves going down this path and all of a sudden we're getting, you know, chastised because of what we've expressed. So it gets all mixed up inside. And I think there are really no bad or negative emotions. It just is information that maybe is stronger and sometimes more uncomfortable to handle. But I believe that every emotion has its purpose, that its purpose is to teach us how to be and live and experience life in a productive way and to lead us back to our true north, to who we really are. Like I see them as breadcrumbs leading us back to our truest self and our own truth. So if you look at it that way, then they take on a whole new way of looking at it and a whole new perspective. Right, right. So what that does, if we can do that, is it sort of sets us free to sort of examine what's going on with our emotions and try to listen to them. So when you talk about listening to your emotion, what does that mean? What does it mean to listen to an emotion? Well, I think the first step is just the awareness of it, that I'm actually feeling something. Um, that maybe I'm a little irritated or I'm a little frustrated or maybe I'm having an experience. A great way to identify emotion first and foremost is our body. Is our body tense? Do we have a knot in our stomach? Are we having a headache? Because our bodies will record our emotions and sometimes we're much more aware of our bodies than our emotions. So just tuning into our bodies will help. And then asking, what am I feeling? Um, identifying an emotion actually diffuses it almost immediately by identifying it. Oh, I'm sad because, you know, my coworker got a promotion that I thought I was getting and the resentment I'm feeling is because I really want that. Therefore, I know that this desire is important to me. And so that helps me sort through those emotions and, and relax and lean into them. Then I can... As those emotions diffuse, I can be in myself more, accept myself and love myself to know what I should do next. How can I love myself in the midst of these emotions? And by embracing ourselves in that acceptance and curiosity, the emotions dissolve into action. And that's where productive, helpful action actually comes from. Yeah, I love that you said that you it, it, uh, being able to be aware that you're your resentment is telling you that's something you want, puts you in touch with the desire that you want that, which could actually lead to action so that you could eventually get that, maybe not that day, and maybe not that exact same kind of award, but something else like it that might be more true to who you are. Right. Uh, so that, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear more about that desire. I think that's just one of the bottom lines of the authentic self is, is that sense of desire. And I think it's also something we shame sometimes, right? And so I'll give you an example. When I was um, a young mother, I was pregnant with my second child, and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I, this woman um, who was a you know, top-notch executive running a company, I started really feeling jealous of her, and I was like really resentful. And I, I, every time I heard her name or saw her face, I would have this big knot in my stomach. And it really took me off guard because that was really, uh, you know, rare for me. And so I sat down and I required myself just to sit there and, and feel and get curious and say, I'm wondering why this woman is my trigger. What possible reason could it be? What is it that she has? What is it? How does she move in life? What is it about her that causes me to feel this? And I realized that I wanted that. I wanted to run a business. I wanted to be a, a, a CEO and really 
be in the business world, but right now it wasn't the right season for me. I had young children. It wasn't the right time. And so as soon as I realized I could have it, but it wasn't the right season, I started calming down a little bit and going, okay, this is a desire talking to me, and I just need to soothe myself to realize that it can come, but not quite so soon. And what was so remarkable is I ran into her, and I, I got real vulnerable and shared with her what I was feeling, and she, it was just amazing that she was actually jealous of my motherhood. Turned out mm-hmm. she couldn't have children, and she was feeling the same emotion, but for a totally different reason. So we had this wonderful exchange together, and we realized that, you know, she could adopt, and I could have this dream of being a, you know, executive businesswoman later down the way. And so it was really beautiful how it unfolded. Yes, that's a perfect example of what of what we're talking about here. That that we can, we can actually. What, what I loved about what you said was that you said I I forced myself to sit down and ask myself some questions. And I think that is so very important to just sit still for a minute and listen and try to hear with curiosity what's going on inside and not not try to judge it and not try to tell ourselves that we shouldn't have these feelings and they're bad feelings and we should just make them go away. And obviously that doesn't work to try to make them go away. We just end up repressing them and then they come back up later and they're in some way that's not very pretty. And, uh, and then, you know, we wonder how that happened. So we get stuck in this right. whirlwind yeah. of, of, of not knowing what to do with our own emotions. And so we can get stay, stay there. So, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to talk some more about this and, and specific feelings and specific examples as we go. And we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back in just a minute with more from Jennifer Williams. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention... Then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Jennifer Williams about conflicted feelings. And we've already discovered the definition of conflicted feelings as those feelings that seem to be at war with each other inside of us and want to pull us in different directions. And we've we've given some examples of how that works and how, how we can actually use conflicted feelings to get closer to our authenticity. So I want to get a little bit more specific now and talk about um, some specific emotions and how we can begin to look at those and one of the ones that's the most difficult for people is anger and if anger were the only emotion we felt you know uh, then then we might not have such a hard time with it although sometimes anger being the only emotion makes us we, it, it sort of drags us into behavior that we might later regret but uh, sometimes we have anger mixed with other emotions like love and respect for another person so can you give us some ideas about how to deal with that, maybe some examples? Well, I think anger, you're right, is really a tough one to deal with, but I also think a lot of people are afraid of it and afraid of the consequences of someone being angry at them or what they might do when they're angry. And I think that it's, it's really rooted in waiting way too long to listen to anger. Um, mm-hmm. Anger starts out just as a little ruffle of a breeze passing through you, a frustration or a little anxiousness or a, a sense of um, disappointment. There, there's a beginning side of anger, and if we listen to it early on, it isn't harmful. But as we repress it, it starts growing in intensity. And the more we push it aside, the more it wants to be heard. And anger, I feel, is off, often a sense of either feeling powerless or feeling um, in our lives that we don't have power, because it is our power. Anger is a pure, very pure, fiery energy. Um, or maybe we have a boundary that is being violated and we need to take action. Uh, it's a, often a cover-up for hurt, a secondary protection against feeling that hurt. And so anger can be um, highly destructive, and I think we know that. But anger is never bad. It's that what we do with that anger and how we respond to it our use of it that makes it hurtful or not. And so anger can be a simple, hey, that didn't work for me, and what I'd like in the future is this, when we've already processed and <clears throat> gotten to know anger as our friend, as our, our um, ally, you know, because that's literally what it is. It's telling us and signaling us that we need to take action on our own behalf. And I compare the stronger emotions a lot of times with trying to hold a beach ball underneath the water. And everybody has probably done that, whether with their children or not. But it's very difficult because that air keeps wanting to pop up. And I think anger does that. It just keeps rising. And if you don't listen to it and take action, it comes out sideways and can be very hurtful. And then it becomes a target towards someone rather than the productive action of what we can take and process and glean from the, the jewels of anger that it's meant to give us. 
So anger is meant to give us, I want to be really clear so our listeners don't truly understand this, anger is meant to give us an idea about maybe the violation of a boundary or uh, some frustration that we have that we feel blocked or some way we need to step up and take care of ourselves and, and we don't use it that way, therefore it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it becomes a problem. Right. Is that what right. Yes. It's actually, I think, our power trying to assert itself, right? It's our power inside of us of our authentic self saying, hey, you know, step up. This is your world. This is what is important for you right now. Yes. And so when we push it aside, we're, we're disavowing our power and we're saying, no, I'm not willing to do that. So therefore, it has to speak louder and it gets louder and louder, just, just like misbehavior in children when it's mm-hmm. ignored, right? Mm-hmm. And so yep. ignoring anger is probably one of the worst things to do because we, it tends to grow and inflate itself. Yes. Um, sometimes it's necessary to process with a friend or, you know, just talk about it um, with your spouse, you know, just to, to actually get it out. Um, and then you can calm things down because when you're in that anger, um, one of the things that happens is the brain is moving to a survival mode and so it doesn't have the logical part of the brain, the frontal cortex, modulating it, and then it becomes a very mischievous emotion. And so we want to calm ourselves and breathe and do something physical. Sometimes I'll have uh, people go to the river and throw eggs on rocks and just let them splat, just to, just to give movement to the power that's trying to work its way through us. Yes. Does that yes. make sense? Yes, those are good examples. I used to have a friend that would uh, go climb a ladder and stand up on the top of the ladder with a bunch of light bulbs and drop the light bulbs on the floor so she could hear them shatter. So she, that was one of her ways of beginning to loosen that anger so that she could mm-hmm. begin to process it. And anger is just another feeling, like you're saying, to be processed. And, and we are in the process once we begin to feel the anger. But like you said, I think one of the things that creates the conflict with anger is this idea that anger is wrong and shouldn't be there, and we shouldn't be feeling these feelings about somebody that we love and respect. And and I've often had, and you, you mentioned this with regard to the boundaries, I've often had people, uh, who abuse, an abused spouse, for example, who might uh, come to see me and, and, and not be able to let themselves get angry enough to see that the anger is just trying to tell them to get out of the way. They're getting hurt, and uh, and mm-hmm. they don't want to right. hear that. So that's in there in this mm-hmm. big conflict. So they come to see me because they're in this big conflict. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know for myself, um, I grew up in a a fairly violent child um, experience, and so I was afraid to experience anger, afraid to give anger because I had seen a destructive use of it, and. So what I had done is I merged my sadness um, with anger, and all I would do is I'd cry when I was angry because everybody understands that, right, and they're not threatened by it. Um, So I had to literally pull those two emotions apart. I had to spend, you know, months trying to figure out when I was actually angry and when I was actually sad. So I think we tend to protect ourselves sometimes in those safe emotions, and we may not even be aware that we're angry. I wasn't. I, it took me a while to figure out that, oh, I am angry. Um, I don't like the way I was just treated, or I don't like what just happened. And by recapturing that was really empowering for me. Um, but it was also a, sometimes a little scary because I, 
I had to, to affirm that I had the maturity and the grace and the intention that I wouldn't misuse anger when I felt anger because it had been targeted towards a lot of people when I was growing up. So I think we, you know, that's, that's often we tend to lean away from it instead of towards it because it can feel almost dangerous. Yes. Yes, and I, and, I, and I think another thing about anger is we tend to give its power to somebody else instead of to ourselves. We, we tend to say, they made me angry or he or she made me angry instead of realizing that our anger came up as an authentic response to something. And and then I, oh I love I love that you brought that up I just uh, that's one of the, my biggest beefs because we we say it's about the other person I always say that nobody can light the dynamite unless it's inside of you you know so right. meaning that we have something unresolved in us or we wouldn't be angry at the person they didn't cause it they might have lit the dynamite but they didn't cause it and I think that goes along with emotions feeling like we're a victim to emotions that we don't have control over our emotions or that they are something that we just need to um, repress or suppress. And really, emotions, when you start looking at them, are very valuable information. So when we, when we have this negative connotation with them, that's what we tend to do, right? And so right. just by opening to them and realizing that it's nobody's fault of what I'm feeling, my feelings are my feelings, your feelings are your feelings, and nobody can make you feel anything, and maybe you should listen to the feeling you're feeling, <laughs> you know, because it has some wisdom to teach you. Yeah, it belongs to you. It's part of your personal power, like you said. And and that means that if we don't listen to it, we're disempowering ourselves in some major ways. Right. So, I, and I totally agree wholeheartedly. We disempower I, ourselves when we don't take advantage of their wisdom. Yes, yes. So let's talk about the big boogie bear, the worst emotion we think we can have. Let's talk about hate, which is very often in conflict with love. Mm-hmm. So hate is one well, of those emotions. Well, hate is, we've seen a lot of that, haven't we? Um, yes, we have. In the last year, more. And I think hate is really speaking to us about our own disowned parts, uh, parts of ourselves that we aren't comfortable with maybe that we need to develop or that we have, have been shamed or have feelings that have not been resolved. Um, so we want to um, annihilate whatever disagrees or makes us feel that that's unresolved. And the more we resolve feelings within ourselves, the more we integrate those feelings, integrate ourself and, our, and contact our authentic self, the less we feel hate. The more secure we are in ourselves, the less we need to be right the less we need to hate anything. But I think all misbehavior is really, within ourselves, unresolved pain. And so I think hate also comes from pain that we've had and we haven't been able to figure out or navigate through, and so we project it out on someone else. And, and I think if we acknowledge that all feelings are okay and that we also have to take responsibility for our feelings, that we can't just dump them on someone... Um, and treat someone disrespectful or hurtfully, then we have to take responsibility for them and they're ours. But with the mix-up that emotions, someone makes us feel something, then we don't take responsibility because if we can blame it on someone else, then we don't have to take accountability. Yep. Yes, I completely agree. So, what, so the hate, I think, is out of control because I think it gets fueled by a culture that doesn't really allow for accountability. 
um, many companies even that I work with and um, clients that I have is they're afraid to hold someone accountable because they don't think it's their job or they think they're going to hurt their feelings or they're going to have a reaction. There's hundreds of different reasons why we might not want to do that. But by holding each other to be our best selves, we actually create love. By saying, hey, this is how that impacted me and this is what I'd like in the future. This is, this is what I need in this situation. Are you willing to do that? It really empowers us in relationship. Yes. And then that spreads, right? Because as we model that, as we live that, it affects everyone. Yes, yes. I like what you said about the uh, about the the pain that we're trying to cover up with hate, because I think that's one of the things I see with young children, or children who have become adults have been who have been abused or wounded terribly in childhood. They uh, they may grow up and say, "I hate my parents." And what they're really, they also feel very guilty about that hatred, but they feel it pretty intensely. And they, and so there's the, there's a conflict. And then they also uh, haven't yet felt the woundedness and the woundedness has a gift to give and they haven't therefore unwrapped that gift either. Right. That's what I love about your work is that by realizing that we have an authentic self, the personality or the the past experiences of pain don't hold as much weight. And when we can attune and connect to ourselves from a more powerful place of who we really are, those things kind of resolve themselves in many ways. They start falling away because we don't identify with the pain as much as we do the power of who we really are. And I think that if we allowed for that and helped people to connect to that place of authenticity within themselves, they would find their ground and they wouldn't have to be whirling darts at everyone. Yes. And they would be able to, but we don't have a culture that allows for a lot of vulnerability. And so it's very hard to feel that pain when there's so much rejection and anger out there. And so it really requires an experience of being loved unconditionally to realize that it's really okay to feel those deep and those dark places of that woundedness. So I think that that's part of what I would love to see spread is that awareness that we all are healers to ourselves and to each other. Yes, absolutely. If we do the work, if we don't do the work, if we avoid the work and the work. Absolutely. Yeah. If we we don't. That's right. It requires us to do the mining, right? Right. Absolutely. Actually dig in and do the work. Yeah, and I like what you're saying about the culture that doesn't support that. On the other hand, there's a there's a real emerging energy in our culture that is seeking. You know, there's more information about there out there about spirituality, regardless of religion. There's more information out there about uh, about psychology and about uh, you know what's going on in the human mind and the, and the human soul. And lots of reading material mm-hmm. about that out there. So I think that there's a there's a conflict in our culture as well that kind of says mm-hmm. we're on a learning curve in, in that same way that perhaps we're becoming authentic as a culture more over time as well. Certainly not there yet. but I love, become- I love that. Yeah, I love that perspective. And I think there is a lot of hope. I think we're going to reach a tipping point at some point where there are people who are awakening and realizing that they do hold power within themselves and it's certainly visible and so I think that it's recognizing the dichotomy that we have though you know we have a country country that boasts 
freedom and both freedom of speech and expression, yet we also really highly value restraint and social etiquette. So it's yes. kind of a push-pull in us, right? Right. Um, and so from very young children, are that's kind of a... Um, that warring, right, is I, I'm supposed to, it's okay to feel, but no, it's not okay to feel because then I get, you know, a negative response. Um, I'm only loved when I behave, therefore. So it, it sets up a real schism, I think, in, in the human psyche and in our culture. And so it's, it's lovely that um, there's a lot more people who are talking about it and making it legitimate to feel all of ourselves and to see the soul and the beauty of our humanity. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's true. On the other hand, and I, we can only just start this because we only have a minute, a minute or so before the break. But um, we'll we'll come back to it on the other side. But but I I want to start this topic that you know, speaking of where we are going in our society, spirituality is a big deal out there right now, and there's a lot of people from religions and from people that are religious, spiritual but not religious, and all kinds of people out there writing material about spirituality and unfortunately some of those same people are teaching us that we should not have negative what they call negative feelings mm-hmm. and they're telling that it's wrong for us to have those and when we have those we can have certain consequences like i know there's a lot of uh, spiritual gurus out there teaching that that if we have anger we're going to have physical problems and if we you know resentment we're going to have another physical kind of problem and, and and so there's a lot of fear that's being taught mm-hmm. about emotions we, that our emotions are something to be afraid of, that they're going to make us sick and that we're going to, you know, if we can't make our emotions go away, we're going to get really worse off. So I just want to kind of leave that dangling and we'll come back to that after the break mm-hmm. if, you, if you want to do that. And, and uh, so we'll be back sure, in just a few minutes. sounds like a great topic. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back in just a few minutes and, uh, and with more from Jennifer Williams and our con- our conversation about conflicted emotions. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Get inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com.
It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to The Glenise Show with Glenise Hughes. Glenise combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today with Jennifer Williams about the idea of conflicted feelings. And Jennifer, I want to give you an opportunity to, to, to just tell our listening audience how they might connect with you and any kind of announcements that you'd like to make for a few minutes. Okay. Well, I am looking forward to this show. I realized I wanted to serve your audience. And so I actually created some very affordable 99-cent downloadable skill cards that have a step-by-step process um, that will help you to feel emotions and to set boundaries and to empathize with yourself and others. And each one is, is very laid out step-by-step to help you work through some of the conflicted emotions that we have. And you can access that at heartmanity, H-E-A-R-T-M-A-N-I-T-Y.com forward slash radio. And then also on there, if you'd like to really dig in, um, is also access to my webinar on how to utilize emotions to make transforming positive change in your life. And so that's, that's about an hour long. So it takes some, if you really want to dig in, that would be the place to go. So that is heartmanity.com forward slash radio. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that. That's a wonderful gift to give to the listening audience. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, we were talking before the break about this idea that's being put out there today and has been for maybe 15, 20 years now about uh, how it is that if you're going to be a truly spiritual person, you have to always be feeling happy and joyful and blissful and never feel any what is called negative feelings. Can you say some more about something about that? Well, we're we're on the same page with that. I have discovered over the years that that is pretty prevalent, that we are actually shaming ourselves into believing that we shouldn't feel negative emotions because if we were more spiritual or if we had it more together that we wouldn't feel them. And I actually worked with one gentleman that, you know, he had meditated for 25 years, but he'd never really done any work, real work with his emotions or with his past pain. And so he was bypassing. He wouldn't allow himself to feel negative emotions. You just go meditate. And I think that it's being used as an avoidance tactic to not live our humanity fully. And I believe that the path to well-being is to live and to feel and to be ourselves fully and wholly of all the multidimensional parts of ourselves. And when we are amputating any part, any emotion, any part of ourselves, that any voice that within ourselves is speaking, we are limiting our ability to be empowered. 
we are limiting ourselves in not hearing our intuition, not connecting to other people. We're actually shutting down, and what I like to compare it to is like freezing energy. It's like you every time you don't feel something that you're trying to feel, that your system is really trying to get you to see and feel, you freeze that energy, and now that you don't have access to that energy anymore. So emotions are meant to flow through us, teach us and give us messages of how to act more Christ-like, more loving, more, you know, aligned with purpose. And so if we're not listening to them, we're actually getting farther away from our spirituality. And I believe that there are, our invitation, they're like a GPS. They're our compass to our true north. And when we are aligned with our highest self, then now we can connect and plug into our spiritual part of us, ourselves and whether it's a group or community. So I think we do ourselves a huge disservice by saying you can only create if you're in a positive emotion. Granted, you probably can't manifest something in your life complaining, but those complaints, those complaints are actually the breadcrumbs to the desire that you want. So I'll complain about something when I'm not happy, and it's really pointing me to a desire I want. And if I don't listen to them, because I'm not supposed to feel negative emotion, then I'm not excavating the very parts of me that will make me more loving. So by cutting myself off from those parts, I'm actually not able to live in that expansive, unconditionally loving self. And so I am totally on board with you. I think that we need to acknowledge all parts of ourselves, and in so doing, we come into this inner peace that we have far more access to be loving and to be more spiritual. Yes, absolutely. You said that so well. I, I wish I had uh, had a, a, a you know quote could quote you back of exactly what you said because that was beautifully said. I think that that uh, you know what we're talking about here is is the idea that if I get closer to my own authenticity, then I can get closer to a divine being as well. But if I if I Correct. avoid my I can't get closer to a divine being. Right. And that's also true with each other, right? I can only be connected and be intimate with people to the level I know and love myself. So I believe that love should be free, should be, we should be giving from overflow, not from resentment or not from, you know, duty or that we should be doing something, but literally because that we want to, that we have extra to give. And that's where I think selfishness enters into the same topic, is that we, we've shamed selfishness and made it a bad thing. And you can't, be, you can't be loving until you're first selfish and acknowledging your own needs, your own desires, and everything within you that, that points to being your best self. Yeah. So that plays into that whole dynamic as well, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. You're, on my, you're preaching my sermon, girl. I think that I think that <laughs> I think that whole thing about selfishness is is you know that that idea that we're supposed to be selfless and that we're here only to serve other people we're not supposed to be thinking about ourselves at all ends up being a person without a self and if you don't have a self what are you doing here well, you don't have an identity and so therefore yeah selflessness is really you know baloney in the sense that you can't be selfless you know, you have to have a self to actually give, and yes, if yep. we don't give Bring from it. a free place, right? So I call yes. it self-firstness, that self-firstness is a new version of selfishness, right? Is we have to put ourselves first, 
and fill our own cup so that we have plenty to give to others and we choose we want to because we have so much we want to share. So it comes from a free place without agendas, without resentment, without a feeling of payback, right? That I gave to you, therefore you're indebted to me. So the free love only comes first by loving ourselves. Yes, Yes, and 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 I and I even think that that when we talk about firstness, I think we people start saying, "Well, that means I'm going to be selfish." And and what I say is it, uh, that there's not a way; it's not possible for us to absent the self in order to be always present for other people. The way to be always present for other people is to have a self and to be totally in touch with it, so we can experience being present with other people. So that's one right, of the things I, that gets. I, Go ahead. Okay. Well, yes. I was just going to add to that that early in my years I was a people pleaser and I was always doing what everybody else wanted and I'd end up with a lot of resentment and one day I stopped and went, wow, you know, what am I doing that's causing all these feelings of resentment? And I realized that I was giving up myself a lot. Yep. And I went, I yep. wonder if it's possible to have, you know, zero resentment or, you know, that it could actually dissipate. And so I started really listening to, to being selfish and listening to what I needed and what I wanted in any given moment. And what I found is I could give far more because I was on solid ground myself and I had balance in my life. And the service comes as a direct result of being whole. I think we are naturally loving beings, right? But we've been taught that we're not. And so that authentic self is loving. And so when we are true to ourselves, it doesn't mean that we're selfish in a harmful way, that we don't care about others. It means that we care more. We just care for ourselves first. Yes. 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 Amen. So, you know, (laughs) I definitely agree with every word you said. And I think the next step that we need to talk about is that uh, the whole idea, just we got to get this in before we close, um, this whole idea that fear is one of those things that we should not feel as a spiritual being. I hear so many people say fear is the opposite of love, and you can't have fear and love in the same in the same um, heart. And I and I just I just feel that that's another form of spiritual abuse. I think we can absolutely be afraid for ourselves because we love ourselves. We can be afraid for someone else because we love them. And so we, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think that's true. And so I, w- I want to talk a little bit about that conflict. Well, I, and I'm in agreement again. I think that um, fear, you hear that, you know, even though you fear, do it anyway. And I find that people are trying to force themselves into something and it backfires because they're not listening to the underlying needs that they have. And fear, the human brain is based on survival. It's based on that fear point because it's there to keep us alive. It's there to make sure we're safe at all times. So it's, you know, I think we can reach a place when we're connected to our authentic self that we're listening to our intuition to be safe, but that fear is a little um, messenger that says, hey, you're not feeling comfortable right now. What do you need to do and give yourself to be back in your power? And that might be, you know, to take a break and go have lunch. It might be to go to back to school. It might be, you know, to be able to, you know, lean on a friend. It might be, it could be dozens of things. But not asking that question, we deny ourselves the fullness of our life. Yeah, 
Yes, absolutely. And we tell ourselves that fear is a, a, a negative emotion and it's something to be ashamed of and it's going to make us sick and it's going to do all kinds of things. And therefore, we should just push it away and pretend it's not there and live out of some kind of pretense that we're feeling really powerful when, in fact, we're not. Right. And I think that what, you know, to, to take another uh, little route is also to realize, though, that all change is uncomfortable, Right. If we're going to change and step out of our comfort zone, we're going to be uncomfortable. So there's going to be fear, you know, involved in that because the brain has never experienced it. It doesn't know what to do with it. So fear is just a caution sign, right, to slow down, to take the necessary steps, to be true to yourself, to gird up so that you feel confident in what you're doing. So if to, to say that we shouldn't have it is a total dichotomy. Yes, yes, and and it does give us very powerful messages. There's a guy, David McGavin, I think his name is that uh, DeGavin, not McGavin, DeGavin, um, who wrote a book called The Gift of Fear, um, that talks about how fear has a gift to give us, and that we need to pay attention to it, and that it can really help us save our lives at times, and it can help guide us at other times, and it can help us to slow down and look, stop, look, and listen at other times, and. And, uh, and and then still at other times it might be just telling us that there's something from our past that needs to be resolved that we haven't looked at yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots of things fear can do for us, and if we're not paying attention, we we're not going to get those messages. We're not going to get those gifts. Right, and I, I think what we're talking about is chronic fear or something that is paralyzing. It's not a healthy thing, right? Right. But, but to feel the feeling of fear is to really develop ourselves so that we're more confident and we have better and higher wholeness within ourselves. Yeah. And one other thing, we just have like just two minutes before we we're we got to close, but I want to talk about the possibility of feeling joy while at the same time we're feeling something else like sorrow or anger or fear. That it, yeah, I mean, we don't even believe that's possible, but it absolutely is. So I wanted to talk about that for just a few minutes before we go. we got one more minute okay. to go. All right. Well, so joy is a really wonderful feeling, and a lot of times we do have other feelings that are colliding with it. And I think the goal of emotional intelligence and to be whole within ourselves is to feel all of it, to not not ignore any of it. But one of the ways to increase joy is actually to revel in whatever you're joyful about. So it's been found through the research that it shows that if you put your attention on it and you're grateful and you revel in it, you know, with great using all your senses and you are really um, making it more valuable, the joy goes up and that can help you to balance things that are maybe pulling you down a little bit. And then to sit and go, okay, so what are these other little things that are pulling on me and how do I put my attention on those in a way that they don't steal my joy, but they're, they integrate in me and I take action so that I can return to that, that place of peace? Wonderful. So some of the highest forms of joy is peace, right? That yes. ecstasy of just being really in love with yourself. Yes. Beautifully said again. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today, Jennifer. I'm sure our listening audience has my gained pleasure. a lot. My Thank you so much. And we're going to come back again next week with more Authentic Living. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 